0: Hello, friend. Hello, friend. That's lame.
1: Maybe I should give you a name. Maybe I should give you a name. What I'm about to tell you is top secret. The Coffee Clatch Podcast. Welcome to the Coffee Clatch Crew, Mr. Robot Episode Review. I'm Jason.
0: I'm Christina.
1: And today we are reviewing Season 3, Episode 3.2 and Episode 3.3.
0: That's Legacy and Metadata, Part 2. So we'd like to apologize for that brief delay in our episode coverage. And we thank you all for supporting us and for still being here.
1: Yes, Clatchers, thank you for all the love that you gave us and our family.
0: And if you're still here, despite that short break, hopefully that means you like what you hear. So don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes. And if you could take a moment to rate and review, that really helps to keep our podcast up there on iTunes and help more people to find us. And I have to say, Jason, if there was one to miss, an episode to miss, I feel like this was the right time because 3.2 and 3.3 felt very different episodes to me. 3.2 was more of the artsy S-mail getting into the nitty gritty of Tyrell, what happened in those three missing days that we didn't get to see and filling in the blanks, but perhaps not a lot of plot progression Whereas 3.3 really moved us ahead and took a deep dive into the events that are happening and the interactions between characters.
1: Yes, I do agree. 3.2 was S. getting his art on, and I do love those episodes. But what was great is that he didn't do anything that was dropping a bomb on us, where everyone was like, where is the Clatch Nation? We need to know how they're feeling about this. So it was a perfect episode to miss.
0: Yeah, I think that I might have, if we were reviewing right after, come here and not been too jazzed about it. And don't get me wrong. Like I said, we were looking for those answers after last season of what happens during the missing three days. I guess I just felt like we didn't learn too much that was new or perhaps that we didn't anticipate filling in those holes for ourselves. But when taken as a whole, 3.2 combined with 3.3, it just felt like one good, big episode.
1: Yeah, I see what you're saying there. All last season, we were saying on the podcast, where's Tyrell? What happened to Tyrell? And then all of a sudden, he shows up and we're like, what has he been doing? Has he been staying in that room? And we know now that he wasn't staying in that glass room where Elliot was shot.
0: No, he was turning into Mountain Man Tyrell.
1: Yeah. (laughs) And I know you do have some reservations for that episode, 3.2, that is. But if you break it down, one, it gave us the chance to really see what Martin Wallström can do as far as acting is concerned. And it also served as a bigger introduction to us for Bobby Cannavale's character, Irving.
0: Yeah, I did like deconstructing the psyche of Tyrell and finding out what's going on inside that brain because it's a little crazy and a little fascinating. As far as new information, what I took from it is that Irving was behind a lot more of this than we thought, orchestrating things, pulling the strings, making sure that it progressed to stage two. And of course, that's really the Dark Army and that's really White Rose. So this was all part of the master plan that this was gonna continue to go down this way. And it seems like F Society had much less independent agency right from the time of the hack than maybe we had even thought. But before we get into it, let's go over our stats. Episode 3.2 got a 9.1 on IMDb, and 3.3 got a 9.7. In looking at our titles, a legacy system is an older method, technology, or computer system. A previous or outdated application, often used as a pejorative term to say it paved the way for the standards that would follow.
1: And the extension .so is a header file. It's a shared library that contains functions and other shared program logic used for loading common libraries into memories so multiple programs can use the same code base, even though they run in separate operating system processes. And we kind of dove deeper into that in our Season 3 prepper.
0: So moving on to our music, we had If You Could Read My Mind by Gordon Lightfoot, and that played during Tyrell planning stage two. It happened in a series of montages. You had I Ain't Going Out Like That by Cypress Hill. Cypress Hill. Hill. Uh, Where Tyrell attempts to leave the isolated farmhouse. I'm Your Puppet by James and Bobby Purify, Burning Saint by Thomas Heckman, and Experiment in
1: Terror by Henry Mancini. And of course, Sam's major attention to detail always pulls through when it comes to music.
0: Yeah, I want to talk about that last one, which was the creepy music that played... While Tyrell was waiting to be reunited with Elliot, a great scene that I can't wait to talk about. It's from the soundtrack of the movie Experiment in Terror from 1962, and it said anyone who grew up in Chicago in the 1970s would instantly recognize it as the theme used for the local broadcast of Creature Features, a late night show that broadcast classic monster movies and terrified a generation of kids. And I remember you saying while the episode was playing, this feels like a horror movie.
1: Oh, for sure. The opening title sequence. Sam Esmell uses the title sequence as his opening canvas, as if you were walking into an art gallery. And he really sets the tone for the rest of the halls and paintings that you're going to see in this particular gallery. And I think he did a brilliant job setting it up with this one.
0: When it gave you a certain tone, a way of looking at Tyrell that made me perhaps a little more afraid or intimidated by him than I was previously, he's not just a crazy zealot that believes in this mission Mr. Robot has put forth, believes that they're supposed to be gods together, although that's there too, he was more active and meticulous in the literal scheming of how these things would work. And I'm sure none of this would have happened if Irving and the Dark Army weren't putting their stamp of approval on it. But I saw him taking a lot more action and moving this plan forward to make it happen.
1: I don't know about you, and it might be just because we are knee deep into this show, but that opening sequence really reminded me of and gave me tingles of Stranger Things too. And we had a clatcher who reached out to us on Twitter and was asking, why the hell aren't you guys doing Stranger Things too?" And really, I wish we were. We just don't have the time with our Patreon podcasts and Mr. Robot. Our ultimate goal is to be able to do two shows at once. And once that happens, guaranteed, if a show like Stranger Things comes around, we'll be doing that as well.
0: And speaking of, let's get into the synopsis that begins with the cold open at Fun Society, where we get to see what happened during that missing time of the three days. It's almost as if something's come alive. It starts with Mr. Robot coming behind Tyrell with the gun and trying to shoot him. We get to find out where did that bullet come from? How is it fired if Tyrell is still okay and alive? That was an ongoing question.
1: During the show at that moment, I kept pausing and rewinding to try to get a frame where we could just see the shell and see if the bullet was there. Because I kept thinking, maybe Tyrell is dead. And in his Elliot's brain, it didn't fire. And now Tyrell was talking to him. But we did some research about backfiring with guns and we realized that wouldn't happen. And also, and as the episode went on, it actually just cemented the fact that Tyrell is real and he's alive.
0: Yeah, Esmail went for the simpler answer again, which was that the gun had jammed, but it set the stage for an interesting interaction between him and Mr. Robot. Tyrell starts going off on one of his tangents, saying, this is proof. The fact that the gun didn't fire means that they're supposed to be working together. We are gods, he says. It wasn't chance, but an act of God. We've been invited into his circle to lead this revolution. And there's more to your plan than this. You're smart enough to know the hack alone won't destroy Evil Corp. They will find a way to recreate the data, and that's where you'll need me. Don't you see it yet? From the first time we met, I realized there's an uncanny connection of bond. And Mr. Robot starts to realize here, you are a lunatic. But I can utilize you. There is supposed to be another step to this thing that we're planning. And maybe Tyrell is the right kind of crazy to protect him from himself. And this is where he shows him the next stage of targeting the paper records. So this is what I mean. We don't learn a lot of new information. It's just what led up to them planning stage two, working together so intimately. And Irving's role in all of this because that's when he comes in and just takes over. The operation, he demands Tyrell's SUV keys and phone and instructs Mr. Robot to drop off his car at the parking lot, put a note on the dash, and then go home and lie low. And if we remember from last season, that's where it picks up with Elliot waking up in the car alone and seeing all of that. And he basically tells them the reason he's there is because they fucked up. That's when he's sent in when people get sloppy. Turns out when James completed the honeypot request, he contacted Gideon, who reported the incident to the FBI. And Irving is Tyrell's only way to stay out of jail.
1: So this is our first introduction to Irving and what his real job is. He's not just a cleanup man. He's also a fixer.
0: Yeah, from the moment of the 5-9 hack, it seems White Rose had her eyes on what was going down here with F Society and could see the potential to steer it in a direction that was going to benefit her. But these amateur hackers, if you want to call them that, I mean, they're brilliant and amazingly intelligent, but they don't know how to plan a revolution. That's what she's going to do. She's going to take this through her ordered, time-stamped approach Send in a professional like Irving to keep tabs on a crazy man like Tyrell. Make sure that Elliot slash Mr. Robot is being dealt with. And that was kind of a question that I had from the previous episode. How much does White Rose and Irving know about the Mr. Robot-Elliot split?
1: Well, I think at this point, Irving didn't know much, but I think White Rose is in the know. And also, this is an example of why companies and businesses have different sets of responsibilities. Because... The people that work for this example in code, they think micro. They're all about the details, getting that particular task completed. But then you need someone that's worrying about the macro, the whole story behind it. What making this program will do, how other people are going to react, and how to arrange the chips on the board to make sure that the next steps can fall through.
0: Yes, and throughout most of this episode, that meant keeping Tyrell isolated so the FBI couldn't get their hands on him. And they could plan stage two more effectively without being interrupted. And so a lot of this now just moves to Irving taking Tyrell to the safe house, the 37 acres of property with motion sensors, security, and leaving him there. And that represents a real psychological challenge. He tells him right up front, this can make you go crazy. You need to find a way to center yourself and get balanced because you're going to be alone here for a long time and I need you to just lie low and not do anything nutty. And he is doing a pretty decent job at that until Mr. Williams comes, a man played by Wallace Shawn who is tasked to explain the Elliot situation to him. So we see kind of what we already know, that Elliot was arrested. He's in jail right now. And the Dark Army is ready to commit all of their resources to this situation and making it happen. But first, they have to confirm his loyalty. And so he goes through these series of badgering questions to him. Did he murder Sharon Knowles? Does he love his wife? Will he be loyal to them? That's the really big question. And he grills him until he breaks.
1: This was my favorite scene in this episode. We got Wallace Shawn, who we know from so many movies, Toy Story, Princess Bride. This guy's brilliant. He was the perfect actor for this particular role. Just come in, make a statement and leave. He was tasked with breaking down Tyrell's walls in order to really see what's there and if they could trust him and if he's up for it. And at first, Tyrell wasn't up for it until the last minute when he breaks through and he opens up.
0: Well, we hear what we have known all along, right? No, he will not be loyal to this man, to the Dark Army, but he will always be loyal to Elliot. He believes in that cause. And what I thought was interesting about this, I read that this assessment is typical of those used by mind control groups, particularly Scientology, in what they call their auditing sessions that involve long periods of asking the same question over and over again until they receive the response that they're after. And so, you know, Tyrell finds out about Elliot being in jail. And after Irving leaves, that's when we start to get those montages. Tyrell watching the baby cam, him going through the maps and the pictures, doing the planning. But interspersed with that is what I thought was the most interesting scene in the whole episode. And that was at Minister Zhang's house on an island that doesn't even show up on Google Maps, Jason. How about that? He gives a couple of instructions. So one, we would have anticipated to have their operative on the inside keep an eye on Elliot and look into his early release. Two, to start image repair on Tyrell. Three, to explore a new narrative to put F Society's origin on Iranian soil. Do you have any idea what that means? And finally, to back a potential candidate for president we see is Trump, and so I don't know what he's up to, but he's got his hands in all of these different things, and he's pulling the strings to make it come out the way he
1: wants. Yeah, he's a master planner, and of course, we can see blaringly what Sam Esmell's feelings are of Trump. I thought that scene was so good because it showed that when everyone else saw Trump in this universe as... Someone that could never win and was an idiot. White Rose saw that as an opportunity, as a pawn or a puppet with strings that could be pulled.
0: More easy to manipulate, it seems, is what he thought.
1: In White Rose's world, the bigger the ego, the easier to control.
0: Yeah, you know which buttons to press, right? We also see they were even behind the femme to sell. We get the scene of Darlene giving it to Cisco to go mod it, and he takes it to Irving and the dark army in the car, who bring it to Tyrell to finish. There was an intriguing line in there, though, because he says he realizes there's additional code that he didn't put in, Android malware that has nothing to do with their plan. Did I miss what that was?
1: No, I don't think we should have known yet. We didn't know what that was yet. But this is great because this gives us background of where they got that Fentacel, and it made you remember those episodes last season, when they were trying to put that into the FBI. Now knowing that it came from Tyrell, well, the major code of it came from Tyrell. And basically the major plan of this was produced by Tyrell. I think it's beautiful because I did think to myself, Elliot has been in jail this whole time. Did he think of stage two way before they even did stage one? And now we know, no, he didn't. It was actually someone else that was able to implement what White Rose's plan was.
0: Well, yeah, he thought of it. Mr. Robot thought of it in the warehouse in that moment with Tyrell. They discovered it jointly, but from that point, Irving entered and the Dark Army slash White Rose just took it over. I mean, in fact, we see Tyrell doing the modifications and the programming, but again, really the grand plan is White Rose's because there's this additional code in there. Clearly that she wants that we don't know what the purpose is. And we're going to come back to this later because there's a lot of questions of what's going to happen if those wind up blowing. And it seems like they will. Throughout the montage scene with Tyrell, there was also a part where he quoted Deuteronomy 23.1. No one who has been emasculated by crushing or cutting may enter the assembly of the Lord. And it seems throughout the course of this episode, this is why he's trying to break out and freaking out about this. He feels pushed to the side, separated from his God, and even emasculated in a certain sense. So his breaking out is trying to, I think, reassert that control. And of course we see that doesn't really go so well. He's taken in immediately by the police officer. We get this brutal scene of him trying to break his thumb and hand bones to get out of the cuffs that I couldn't even watch. And that doesn't even matter because before he can do it, a man pulls up, shoots the cop, and at the safe house, he yells at Irving for not doing his job, saying he's been getting heat from dodging the shootout in China and that the FBI hack left them in a shitstorm over Bernstein, reminding us not to forget about all those little seeds that were planted in seasons one and two. And I like that Irving really has a good handle on the psychology of this all too. He was doing what it took to keep Tyrell centered. And I think he realizes he's near his breaking point here when he tried to get away. He tells him this story that's going to make them connect to each other about what he went through with his wife and his children during the divorce. It seems to work. Tyrell agrees that they need to get this mission back on track. But you see a few moments later when Irving goes to his auto center, This whole thing was a lie. He doesn't even have kids.
1: (laughs) Irving's good, man. He is a used car salesman. (laughs) He can sell anything.
0: He did it just to gain his trust and keep this ball rolling.
1: I love how they dissected it for us. He uses it as a tool and he also uses his words as a tool. It's all manipulation. And they just broke it down for us right there. Why Irving did that and how effective he is with it.
0: And he's been doing practical planning too. Right? Because when they finally leave, he shows Tyrell the warehouse where they're gonna be working. He explains this crucial part of the equation for those missing three days about the barrel of the gun being jammed and that the next shot would have blown. Blown your
1: hand off. Yeah. So that would have been Elliot's hand.
0: Exactly. And he takes him to a hotel to wait for this meeting with Elliot. All throughout this time we see how obsessed. Tyrell truly is with his relationship with who he believes is Elliot, but is actually Mr. Robot. I was getting chills in the scene at the hotel where he's planning to meet up with him again, and he needs to look his best. He's demanding his suit.
1: Suit. Well, it makes sense if he thinks he's meeting a fellow god. I love this episode in the fact that it showed us why he has this god complex with Elliot. It kind of broke it down for us, and it was more believable how Tyrell's thoughts have changed from the Tyrell head of the company that we knew to this Tyrell behind the scenes F Society member.
0: Well, and Mr. Robot clearly fed into that a little bit and enforced it, but a lot of it was just going on in Tyrell's own mind. I think he's been waiting for somebody like this, looking for a master to serve and a purpose that's going to give him greater meaning in life.
1: Yeah, I believe before that, he was serving his wife, who demanded excellence from him.
0: And laid out the plan step by step of how you get there, how you achieved that. He needed it and liked it in a certain sense. And so you leave off with the same relationship still between the two of them. The end of the episode is in that makeshift hospital room in the warehouse, and Tyrell freaking out if Elliot's going to wake up, if he's going to be okay. So with that, let's just jump right to our robot rating. What do you give episode 3.2?
1: I went with 8.3. I did enjoy the episode. It filled in the gaps that we had, the questions we had all of season two, the burning questions of season two. Granted, season three, we no longer really cared that much at this point, but I believe Sam Esmail made us care again in regards to Tyrell, and it gave us a background where we understood why Tyrell hadn't spoken to his wife in so long, where that phone call to Elliot in jail came from, and why he's so twisted now in this god of Mr. Roba.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think the reason it felt awkward was we didn't see him for so much of season two, and I at least had come to the point of assuming we weren't going to get some of that. I even wondered how relevant is Tyrell going to be to the main storyline. And now to have an entire Tyrell-focused episode, it threw me off a little bit. I was like, why are we spending so much time coming back to him? But it did bring him back into importance in my mind. And I think it leads you very nicely into episode 3.3. So like I said, taken together, I appreciate it more. And I'm going to give it eight robots.
1: Now, that is a significant drop for us, but it's still in the 80s. So it's still a good grade. What I find peculiar is that a couple days prior to last week's episode, Sam Esmell tweeted that this is his favorite episode yet. I think he brought a lot of people's anticipation way high. My favorite is still that 90s episode,
0: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <A>
1: dreamlike state. <laughs> yeah. I wish we could talk to him right now and, and really get into his head of what he was doing with this episode. Because I'm sure after speaking to him, we'd be like, whoa, all right, yeah.
0: Well, I think it, it is the scene He does get really into those types of episodes that do the deep dive and kind of analyze one character more extensively. Whereas as a viewer, sometimes we're looking for more of a sprinkling and having a plot progression mixed in with some analysis of the character. So maybe the episodes that are his favorite are not always the general audience favorite, but it is early on in the season. If you're going to do a flashback and fill in some of those gaps, I think this was the right place to put it.
1: And let's go into our most valuable hacker. And again, we don't have a Twitter MVH because we didn't watch this episode until earlier this week and we weren't able to ask our clatchers. So it's a clatcherless MVH, but we do have ours. I'll start with mine. I went with Irving. You would think I'd go with Tyrell. I believe, Christina, you went with Irving as well. I did. I have many reasons for that. Like I said before, it was a good introduction into the depth of what Irving is for F Society, actually, for the Dark Army, and how much power and how good he is at his job.
0: Yeah, and it just makes me interested for what more we're going to see from Irving, how integral he's going to be in stage two and the rest of White Rose's
1: plans. And I love Bobby Cannavale's acting. I mean, if you watch him in Boardwalk Empire and see how much of a badass he plays there, this is a completely different character And he still displays his badassness. (laughs) Well,
0: this is how much of a testament it is to me. I forget that this is Bobby Cannavale. This is Irving to me, and he has done that quickly. In a matter of a few episodes, a couple of pivotal scenes, he is the character when I watch the show. happening. So that wraps up 3.2. Let's get into 3.3. The title here is metadata, which is data that provides information about other data. (laughs) It's a little wordy, but there's three types of metadata, descriptive, structural, and administrative. And I thought this was interesting. Descriptive describes the resource for purposes like discovery and identification, elements like title, author, keywords,
1: Exactly. If you Google the Coffee Clats crew and you go to images, Google Images is going off the metadata of all the images on our website and Facebook, and it's going to display all those based on the metadata. It doesn't know that it's a picture of you who belongs to the Coffee Clats crew. It only knows if it says Chris from the Coffee Clats crew in the metadata.
0: Right. So it's describing that thing. Whereas structural is about containers of data and indicates how compound objects are put together. For example, how pages are ordered to form chapters. This describes things like types, versions, and relationships. And finally, administrative provides info to help us manage a resource, such as when and how it was created, file type, and who can access it. And now we know from watching the episode, this is going to be important later. They talk about the metadata behind pictures and things that are uploaded to social media and how you give away much more information than you think you do.
1: That's pretty scary. Especially now, when you had a camera, like a Canon camera digital point and shoot, when you uploaded it to your computer and you used iPhoto or what have you, you could use a professional software like Lightroom and you would actually put the metadata in there. You would say, Las Vegas trip at the Luxor... Blah, blah, blah. And then the metadata would be part of the image. Now, with a phone, it automatically puts your geodata where you were, when you took that picture. And then with facial recognition, it says who's in it. Computers know more than we know. And it's really scary because our life is on the internet.
0: It's evolving almost faster than we are instructing it to, it's taking on a life of its own. Yeah, and that's a whole other topic that we can go off on. I find that really interesting if you are into that type of storytelling. Dan Brown, who I really enjoy as an author, has a new book out called Origin that kind of gets into more of those technology aspects. It's really interesting.
1: And the extension for this episode is PAR2, which is PARKhive, the second version of an error correction system for computer files. It can be used to fix files corrupted in a download, or recreate missing files. So basically you ever get an email with an attachment and it was corrupted by the time it got to you, you could use this kind of system to fix it most likely. Or you can just do what we do is say, "Can you re-email that because it's corrupted?"
0: Well, from a meta perspective, I find that really interesting too because is Asmail saying those 3 days that were corrupted due to the memory and the problems with Elliot and Mr. Robot, we're recreating that for you. This episode's going to tell you You know, the past one and into 3.3, what you missed, why things are important, and the information behind what you're seeing. And for music notes this episode, we had Dance Hall Days by Wang Chung. That played while Angela had the conversation with Irving. Under the Tide by Churches, when Darlene and Dom talk in the bar. And Everything Means Nothing to Me by Elliot Smith. And that was that ending scene where Darlene enters Elliot's apartment and leaves the picture behind.
1: And it kept repeating. That was very intense. And we will go into that scene. And on to a few fun facts. One, a personal fun fact. We wanted to give a huge shout out to our new Patreon members. Delari, Fernando, Aaron, Mojam, Eva, Kirk, Brian, Clarissa, Henry, and Mara. We want to welcome you to the Clatcher family. Thank you so much for becoming a Patreon member. And if you enjoy our podcasts as much as we enjoy bringing them to you, this is one of the ways you can support us. Just go to our website, coffeeclatchcrew.com. Check out our Patreon page. There you can get bonus content, movie reviews, access to exclusive chat boards, and so much more. Go there, check it out, try it out for a month. Even if you donate a dollar, it helps us out.
0: So what this is, is a membership program, a subscription base where you can help us out while also getting new content each month.
1: There are certain tiers. For a dollar, you get access to the community chat board, and you know that you're helping us out. Tier two, you get the bonus review. Tier three, you get the bonus review and the movie. Any little bit helps us out, and we do appreciate it.
0: And thank you, as always, to all the existing Patreon members and everything you do for the Coffee Clatch crew.
1: If you don't want to become a Patreon member and you do want to throw us a bone, on our website, we also have a donate button. You can donate as little or as much as you want with a click of a button through PayPal, also owned by the (laughs) E-Corp. Moving on, I often talk about the emails we get from Mr. Robot. And this week, we got an email from being an E-Coin member where they gave us coin perks. And every week, they give us these coin perks. You click on it, you sign in, and you get something free. This week was Funko Pop figurines. And every time I do it, by the time I get in, it's out of stock. So I'm thinking either they're messing with us. Oh, of course they are. Or so many people are signing in right away that by the time I get in, they're out already. I'm really wondering. This
0: is a way to find out if this is real. Has anybody actually gotten any of these things? If so, write into Coffee Clatch Crew. Give us a picture so we know.
1: This week was perfect for us because we have a game room in our house where I have figurines galore surrounding the TV where we play Xbox. And then also in our podcast studio behind us, we have the Mr. Robot mask, Coffee Class Crew stickers, Walking Dead, when we loved Walking Dead, figurines, the Coffee Class Crew mug, and the Sherlock Holmes and the Eisendorf Enigma novel by Larry Millett that was sent to us when we interviewed him. So we love our figurines. And we didn't make it. And then I have a few questions. Why come, now that D.B. Wong is officially signed as series regular, he is barely in the episodes?
0: Barely in time-wise, but the importance is so critical. I think he should have been a series regular from the beginning. I'm not sure the logistics that go into that behind the scenes. I would like to get some more time with him, as always, but it's clear from a plot perspective, they have to hold him back because he contains answers that Smail's not ready to tell us yet.
1: So true. Clatchers, if you want him on our podcast, we've had actors on our podcast before, and you know how we got it? All the Clatchers tweeted at him. So if you want BD Wong on, tweet at him with the at Coffee Clatch crew. Ask him to come on. I think it'll be fun.
0: Let's just make him MVH from now till the end of the season. (laughs) Then he'll have to come on.
1: And then my last question, I think everyone is asking, what happened to Trenton, Mobley, and Leon. Ever since the end of last season, we haven't heard or seen anything. We saw a clip of Leon, but it was in the past. What happened? Was it just that Leon probably killed them there when he said, do you have the time? And they're no longer part of the story? Or is it something bigger that we just don't know yet?
0: Yeah, I don't think that he did. I think it's another one of those situations where once we go back to them, we're really going to move the story forward and they're not ready to do so yet. I anticipate we'll see them about midway to a little after midway through the season. All right, so let's get into the 3.3 synopsis, which opens up on the subway where Darlene confronts a fellow rider for pickpocketing her, but lets her keep the wallet and admits everyone's problems are her fault. She caused all this and even killed a woman. Oh, boy.
1: Oh, boy, indeed. I thought this was a great scene for Carly Chaikin. Her acting was incredible. It showed us that this woman still has her wherewithal about her, but also she has so much guilt and anger inside of her that she's willing to just give up her wallet. But she needs that one picture because that means more to her.
0: Yeah, I don't know about wherewithal. I'm thinking this scene had to be put in, especially at the top of the episode, because it's going to come back to bite her. The guilt is so overwhelming that she has to start confessing to random people that all of this is her fault, and I don't think that's going to go unnoticed. Somebody's going to hear about that. And Darlene has for sure been in the hot seat for a while now, but particularly this episode, she's being torn between two worlds. She's trying to play both sides of the fence. I don't think it's going to end well, and I think that's going to escalate really soon, especially given the scene where she makes the vengeance pact with Elliot.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. Wherewithal was the wrong word.
0: I think you're speaking to her conscience and her Mm -hmm. sense of what's right. She has been bothered for a long time now that there are certain aspects of this hack, this plan, she's really upset about. Even though we saw her trying to run F Society all of last season, there's a very clear line in the sand. She doesn't believe in crossing. This has already gone farther than she would have anticipated And the state that the world has wound up in is bothering her, much the way it was bothering Elliot at the beginning of the season.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, she killed someone. That was the beginning of the end for her. And then she had someone very dear to her killed. It's been falling apart for her. She is cracking. But it was a good scene in the fact that we could see Darlene being kind of a badass again, especially in the beginning when she walks up to this woman and just says, give it back to me.
0: Well, I think she's trying to take some of her personal power back in any way that she can, because the whole situation just feels like it's spiraling out of control. We saw her have a panic attack a few episodes ago, and later she's going to reveal some deep psychological workings to Dom, and we'll get into that in a few scenes. But we do get to see that state of the world that I talked about, and I really enjoy whenever that happens. You know, the drums beat up the credits, and we get this look at outdoor consultation tables, garbage continuing to pile up in the streets. None of this is getting fixed. And people are just learning to adapt to the new environment. And speaking of that picture, after Dom returns home, she sees Elliot scouting around outside. And he tells us metadata. It's the story behind the data. Getting info is one thing, but how it was created, where and by whom can often be illuminating. That's where he talks about the metadata behind postings. And we realize this is the moment after seeing Elliot on the cam from a previous episode.
1: Oh, yeah. He was looking through the garbage, finding out who lives there. He was looking through the mail. It's all accessible right there.
0: Yeah, he fished them. And now he's inside Darlene's apartment when she starts to return home. So Dom, freaking out, you know, she wants to save the link, preserve the link to Tyrell that they have, intercepts Darlene and warns her what's going on. When she goes inside, Elliot tells Darlene he found her spyware.
1: Last night, I noticed some extra hardware wired to my monitor's display controller. Along with a small cellular modem, taking screenshots every 10 seconds and sending them out somewhere. And now I'm standing here and I want to know, why the fuck are you hacking me? Take another step and I will fucking scream. You're not going to hurt me again. Okay, so we were questioning two episodes ago... Was that Elliot? Was that Mr. Robot? And when we were watching it, you still felt in the beginning of it that it was Mr. Robot. But I knew, one, it was during the day. And that was a rule that later on is broken. But that was a rule we were following as of that time. And the way he was acting, it was just Elliot being paranoid. It wasn't Elliot being Robot. He wasn't aggressive about it.
0: Yeah, well, they're clearly messing with us, though. Now, right? They know that we're looking for that switch of when is it, Robot? Because when he starts talking to Darlene, he is making firm eye contact. For a couple of seconds, they're having you question that. Because it was Mr. Robot that was saying, what's going on with Darlene? She's a loose end. She's going to get us in trouble. We have to find out why she was in our apartment, why she was looking at our computer. But then you have the human side of Elliot. And that's why he was looking into this, because of their relationship He approaches her more from a brother standpoint of why did you do this? What's going on between us? And she immediately takes that and flips it back on him. She says, you're not going to hurt me again. And if it is him I'm talking to right now, yes, I hacked him. I don't trust him. He's still here and you can't keep ignoring it.
1: So that was her manipulating him, right? That was her saying, I'm acting this way because I saw Mr. Robot. I don't trust you. That's why I did it. Putting Elliot on her playing field. Right there.
0: Well, I agree that it did flip him around. It stopped him from thinking about her and what she did and made the conversation about Mr. Robot and how difficult it is to try to have a relationship with someone like him. But I also think that's very genuine, that she is struggling with that. She does love Elliot. And the more the episode goes on, (laughs) even though she's a double agent and she's talking to the FBI, I get the feeling she is the only one on this show that genuinely does care about Elliot.
1: Oh, I agree with you. And towards the end of the episode, I really get that feeling.
0: And by comparison, Angela, who I was so back and forth about this episode, I feel more and more that she's willing to sacrifice a lot. And maybe this is more about personal vengeance than caring for Elliot. We get this scene where Irving is in the red wheelbarrow, telling Angela he received official word that the operation will now go down on September 29th, 10 days from now. So this is a big question amongst the characters themselves. Why was the timeline changed? Especially with somebody like White Rose that's so meticulous about things happening at a certain time. And we think this is because of the conversation that he had with his lieutenant about Mr. Price, that it's going to happen after that regardless. No matter which way the vote goes down, Price is going to pay now. But is that it? Is somebody so ordered like White Rose, just going to change this whole plan and go off half-cocked because he wants to put it to price.
1: No, that's not it. The underlying reason that White Rose is doing this, which we don't really know yet, is that machine. And this powerful machine that a lot of people feel is to mine Bitcoin, which we went through last episode. The computer power with Bitcoin nowadays, because it's been so long with Bitcoin, you can no longer do it with just a a powerful personal PC. Two years ago, you could, and you could mine for Bitcoins, and then you have these bits. Nowadays, you need powerful computers, and is that what he's creating? And if that is, that's why he's using the government to put into place, instead of the American dollar or the yen or whatever, it being Bitcoin and not eCoin.
0: Yeah, we talked about that a few episodes ago, and it is a running popular theory on Reddit that White Rose is building a quantum computer. Some of the more sci-fi far-off theories say that it's the singularity, it's parallel universes, it's bringing the dead back to life, but the big one, yes, is to mine every Bitcoin. Now, with current computing power, it's estimated they will all be mined between 2110 and 2140, but a quantum computer could change that equation very quickly. But then I still go back to where he wants to build it and moving the operation, and there are some answers regarding that and the natural resources that might help aid them in that endeavor. And so is this new timeline serving a purpose that we don't understand? Is there something about it happening 10 days from now?
1: I believe so. I think he needs to put his foot down now. He needs to regain control because Mr. Price is getting a little feisty.
0: Right. But none of that explained these lines, these mysterious cryptic lines that we've been getting all season now. And we get one next from Angela. She's telling Irving she needs to know it's going to go as planned. During this negotiation, it seems the main point she needed to have promised to her was the emergency evacuation would be carried out so that no one's in the building when they do this. And again, I don't think that's being brought up on accident. Something is going to happen with that. But the bigger point... I have to ask. Did White Rose ever show you? Yes. And you believe in it? Believe in it? A quantum computer that mines for bitcoins is Is not not something that inspires that kind of reaction. And Irving goes into this whole little speech about, you know, look at technology these days. It's mind-boggling what they can do. I think anything is possible.
1: This could be a response over White Rose's hyperbole. Maybe the way she presented it was that it could change the world.
0: You just think she's being melodramatic to get these people to follow her?
1: No, I think when you are... (laughs) I think if you spoke to Steve Jobs five years ago... Or seven years ago before he made the smartphone and he explained to you what the smartphone will do to the world, which it has done. It has changed the world. But listening to the creator explain it to you, it's like, like a hum, like God's there, you know. Maybe that was it,
0: but would that inspire uh, like reverence and awe? Like, is that really possible? Do you believe in that? I don't know. It it indicates something bigger to yeah. me, and I don't think this is just an, us imagining things. I've been talking about that all season.
1: Well, we need to get Sam Asmell on. So if you clashers want <laughs> Sam Esmell on, tweet at him.
0: <laughs> well, because of all of this, Darlene goes to talk to Elliot. He realizes she was right. Stage two is never called off, and Tyrell must be involved because they're still trying to go through with this blowing up the building thing.
1: And that's how she says it, blowing up the building thing.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And uh, Tarlene gets him to admit he does want to be the one to find them. He does want to see where it leads. There's something inside me that can't let go of what we started. So here again is that he can't fully accept the separate aspects and persona of Mr. Robot, but he can't let go of them either. It's necessary, and that's why Robot still exists.
1: Because Robot is still a part of him. It's still something in his mind that he believed that created this divide in personality.
0: But he does still chafe against those elements of it that are morally, ethically irresponsible, wrong, dangerous. She keeps bringing that up, and that's the only thing that brings him back to center, you know, she tells him, this isn't you. You don't blow up people. You don't hurt people. So he finally agrees not to do it.
1: Well, I think this could be Mr. Robot saying the ends justify the means.
0: Yeah, well, and they keep saying nobody's going to be in the building at the time. But now they keep going back to, okay, but are you sure there's an emergency yeah. evacuation? And Darlene keeps saying that people could be harmed. So c- clearly there is concern. There is worry that's not going to happen.
1: Why wouldn't it happen? We've seen... F society, Darlene, we've seen the Dark Army for sure just kill people Mm. for the greater cause. So would they really care? Yeah,
0: the Dark Army definitely does not. And when Elliot agrees not to do this, they make a plan. Darlene's going to stay with him at night and watch him until he turns. And then follow Mr. Robot, who will lead them to Tyrell. And he even warns her, whatever he does, it's not me.
1: So this was curious to me because we got this scene almost verbatim with Angela a couple episodes ago. And as we found out what Angela was doing a scene after that scene, Elliot didn't because Mr. Robot was present, but... Did he? Because now he's asking for the same thing from Darlene and he hasn't even been with Angela. It's like he asked Angela to help and then never followed through with it, almost as if she's not going to help me.
0: Yeah, I think he realized that the night that he stayed with her and it was Elliot talking to her at first and she went into power saver mode. Mm -hmm. And the amount of help she could provide was getting him into E-Corp and she did that. Now he needs somebody that emotionally understands and is invested, has a relationship, and the only person really left is Darlene. And he even talks about his secret fears in the next scene at E-Corp. He wonders if Tyrell had shot him if the whole plan would have gone away because they didn't save him, they saved Mr. Robot. He's very aware that Mr. Robot still has a great degree of control and is doing things that he can't undo fast enough. And yet... Despite the fact that he's trying to wage a terrorist attack, quote unquote, it excites him. He could have given the information to the FBI, but he didn't. So again, here's that part of him not letting go of it. And he lies to Angela about what he's doing. When she comes up and tells him about this corporate party that he has to go to, he just pretends like he's doing all normal stuff for work. And I, you know, not that he's going to talk about it in the middle of E Corp, but I do think it's a signal that he doesn't completely trust her. He Mm -hmm. knows he can't let her in on what's going on inside of him.
1: And she definitely assumes the position of boss now, the way she carries herself in there. It's completely different from season two.
0: Oh, for sure. So, kind of shoved in between, we get these two scenes with the FBI and a man called Mr. Nori. They break into his apartment and take him in.
1: And what's really important about that scene, as our Patreon members know, he was watching Love Actually, which is our <laughs> favorite movie in the world.
0: Yeah, that was amazing. Uh, Dom says they know he posted the F Society video, they followed the Vimeo address, and they question him about Elliot, Darlene, Tyrell, but more importantly, When she says White Rose, it's the name he kind of responds to.
1: Yeah, I thought that was weird because that guy was so careful not to make eye contact, not to make any eye movements, any nudges whenever names were brought up. And then as soon as White Rose was brought up, it was almost as if that was the secret code. Now I move as opposed to a reaction.
0: Oh, I felt it was a reaction. It was it was a tell that he couldn't hide. This yes. is the
1: all-powerful leader, White Rose. Yeah, but he didn't even try to hide it. He was so good at not talking. You know what I mean? Like someone that was that good, you say one name and then they react like, huh?
0: Well, he's you still know. not giving anything away. You know, he says, my, my master is F Society. That's it, period. And Norm even thinks it's weird why did Dom ask him about White Rose in the first place? He says, a Dark Army leader is a mythical boogeyman. Groups like this don't have leaders, which to me was a very weird comment to make. Groups like F Society may not have leaders because they're sort of an anarchist hacker type situation. But the Dark Army is so ordered and structured. How could you not believe somebody's running all of this? They're making her out to be a conspiracy theorist. Dom, that is.
1: So you think Dom is part of the who's getting dark off army? track?
0: No, no, no. Just that like they think she's getting off track by chasing this white Rose person. and she's okay. the only one who really knows the truth um from a plot standpoint, that was a little weird. But, you know, even they agree that the guy practically handed them this information mm. and everything what's what's going on. I, I think he maybe was trying to lead her in a direction,
1: maybe. maybe. Season two had a lot to do with the FBI, and we were interested in it. Season three, not that I have a fix for it, because I don't see any room for it at all, but I don't really care when the FBI's is on. I'm like, uh, FBI.
0: Yeah, it seems like the only relevant figure is Dom, and that's why they had to introduce them, because Dom is going to be so prevalent. But again, plot-wise, they're having to do certain things to put Dom on the outskirts. Mm-hmm. That make the FBI feel a little dumb.
1: Dumb and just, I don't care right now. But again, I don't have a fix for that because so much else is going on and he needs to keep them at least a a low hum Mm -hmm. for us because probably they will be coming in eventually.
0: Yeah, and I think he does good with that with Dom later. But first, back at the apartment and prepping for the switch, Elliot and Darlene walk Flipper and talk was another bizarre conversation yeah. she wants to make a vengeance pact in case she dies I understand why she's bringing it up because she is getting increasingly worried knows that her time is numbered because yeah. she's playing both sides of the fence here and it is a little concerned it could end in her death but the way she brought it up with Elliot was very strange
1: yeah and I have in my notes while we were watching it I was like is this foreshadowing that Darlene is next to die
0: Oh, for sure.
1: She's going to die.
0: But but weirdly in-your-face foreshadowing. I don't yeah. know why we needed this scene. And Elliot responds in a very un-Elliot-like way. He's so concerned with the moral lines they've been crossing. And for Darlene, killing this woman is just eating her alive, and yet both of them are so jazzed. That if anybody kills them, they're going to take them out?
1: Well, do you think it'll be a tool for Elliot to overcome Mr. Robot when she dies?
0: That's what some people are saying if this winds up being the reason that puts Mr. Robot responsible. It's just a weird way to get there. Yeah. If that's what we're going at, I don't know. But he apologizes for the way he's been treating her and pushing her away, saying he should have believed her. They go home and she's online looking up these fares to Budapest when she sees Elliot leaving the apartment. And it's Mr. Robot. So she follows him and is very shocked to find out He's meeting up with Angela.
1: Oh, my God. At that moment, I realized the only person out for Elliot is Darlene. Mm -hmm. I hate Angela right now. I really do.
0: It, it, It feels that way, right? Because Tyrell, who thought he was in love with and obsessed with and subservient to Elliot, really has only ever had a relationship with Mr. Robot. Mr. Robot certainly does not care what Elliot's wishes are in this whole thing. He's going through with the plan no matter what. For the Dark Army, F Society and Elliot are just pawns to be shifted around. Yep. And Angela, who, yeah, we're very back and forth on, lately feels like she's on her own personal quest. Yeah. And if shit happens to Elliot, shit happens. I mean, she's drugging him without yep. any regret, seemingly, about that to get Mr. Robot to keep coming back out.
1: Well, we saw in season two when Angela was talking to an old friend of her father's and she started talking about I'm such and such years old. I make this much money. I... We realize that this woman is very Mm self-absorbed. She has trouble with feelings. She goes into power saver mode because those feelings make her lose control. Right? Mm -hmm. I don't like her. I don't trust her. (laughs) After this episode, I'm all about Darlene. I'm like, that's the only person that's there for Elliot
0: and yet it's so complicated because she is going back and forth telling the FBI about what's going on but i believe but not really she
1: never told them much
0: right she keeps a lot and i believe she's doing that genuinely because she thinks it's the only way to help and to try to stop this from escalating too far out of control and in the big scene of the episode we see the meeting between Angela Tyrell and Elliot where Angela tells Tyrell Elliot's been rerouting the shipments all over the country And she agreed to this new timeline from the Dark Army before she knew all this. That causes Tyrell to freak out. You know, she shouldn't have let Elliot into E-Corp in the first place. He's ready to tell the DA about all this. But she says he can't do that. There'll be consequences for all of them. Mr. Robot says, never appeal to a man's better nature. He may not have one. And she argues that it's not impossible to make this plan happen still. They can have the Western states ship records by plane and the trucks handle the East Coast over the weekend which seems really quick given all the time they needed to organize this to begin with. But in the meantime, she'll have Elliot's access revoked at E-Corp to make sure he doesn't interfere again.
1: Okay, in this scene, I was so pissed off because that was like two episodes ago when she said she would have him work there. We already knew this was the case. We were saying, why is she going to have him work there? He's going to be doing exactly what she doesn't want him doing. He's gonna be on the inside. He's gonna be messing everything up for everybody. And obviously
0: That's what he did. And she said it was to keep him busy. You know, keep channeling keep in his, his energy and Jesus. watch him. But in the meantime, he was having his bosses fired left and right. Where what was she watching when that was happening? Exactly. That's that's what that was about. I don't understand how she could not know that. And she's not just gonna have his access revoked, she's gonna have him fired. And Tyrell is still not appeased. He says Elliot ruins everything they accomplish. And how does it work? He doesn't even know which Elliot he's talking to. He starts getting a little too far out of line and Mr. Robot doesn't like that.
1: We worked nights together for over six weeks to prepare this project. But you spend your days ruining all we've accomplished. You as a person make no sense. You're a liability. Our goal hasn't changed. I can't follow this back and forth anymore. You had one simple directive. Maintain control until the plan was executed. It doesn't work that way. There's no on-off switch. Then tell me, how does it work? Because I
0: don't even know which Elliot I'm talking to right now. How it works is I am here now. Don't forget whose operation this is. And Tyrell just kind of loses it. Yep. He says he's inferior and he's taking over this thing. And that pushes Mr. Robot to the brink.
1: Chris, let me ask you, when someone falls for another human and, and views them as a godlike figure, in psychology, isn't this something that happens often to people who idolize other humans? Quote-unquote. The person being idolized can't live up to the image and inevitably gets disappointed.
0: Oh, of course. This was always setting him up for failure. Mr. Robot seemed a, a mythical creature to Tyrell in the beginning. He was so brilliant, had this entire revolution planned and the intelligence and skills to back that up technologically and do it and Tyrell needed to believe in that like I said this higher purpose this thing he could be a part of he was going to be partners with a god and make it all happen and maybe perhaps he was a little in love with him as well we're not too sure where that line begins and ends romantically
1: I don't think sexually no
0: I don't know I definitely don't think sexually I think there's a part of Tyrell that is just He was in love in every way with the image of Mr. Robot the way we're describing.
1: Because that's what his wife wanted him to be.
0: Sure. Perfect. Yeah. Not only does it turn out that Elliot is human, but he is massively flawed. There are two sides to this person, one of which Tyrell has really never even seen or met. (laughs) And and he doesn't like it. He doesn't like that quote-unquote damaged side of Elliot. So that's why he says you're inferior This is not going to work this way. If Mr. Robot responds, this is my revolution. I am the architect. The only reason you're here is because I allow you to be. I was getting so pumped (laughs) because I wanted him to put Tyrell in his place. But at that moment, he starts looking like he's shorting out.
1: When you get that angry, you lose control. And I guess in essence, Mr. Robot lost control of the body. Which is Elliot.
0: Yeah, but what's weird is he was getting angry and aggressive and talking about how this is his revolution, which seems like such a Mr. Robot thing. He should be the prominent person there. But it makes me believe Elliot still owns himself as the Mm. true architect of this. As much as he might deny certain parts of that... He is the one behind it all. And he doesn't want to let that go or blame it on Mr. Robot. And in that moment, he does start trying to reassert control.
1: Brilliant scene. This is the Mr. Robot I love.
0: Oh, it was amazing. This conflict
1: is so beautiful.
0: And he broke through. He did it. He actually became Elliot again. But of course, that didn't last long when everyone started to freak out. Mainly Elliot. What's going on? Why is Tyrell here? Angela just medicates him again.
1: So yeah, that prevailing moment really quickly is diffused. One, by the way, Elliot reacts. Angela, why am I here? Mm -hmm. And you're like, God damn it, Elliot, grow some balls, man. Mm. And then then he breaks the fourth wall, which we love, which he doesn't do enough anymore. And he's talking to us when he keeps saying, please tell me you know what's happening please tell me you know what's happening. Mm -hmm. That's him talking to us.
0: Which he always turns to when he's really afraid. And I'm I'm so intrigued by that relationship he has with us as the audience. But also this made me think, eventually mustn't Elliot learn how to mimic Mr. Robot? In this moment, if he could have played Mr. Robot Mm -hmm. and made them believe it was still him, that he hadn't turned...
1: But how do you learn to mimic something you've never seen?
0: He knows exactly that part of himself that he keeps trying to deny. He's even been told by Angela, I know it's him when you look me straight in the eye and you're confident. Mm. And you're very assertive in what you're saying. And if he had been able to act that out in the moment, he could have seen the rest of this meaning. He could have made orders as Mr. Robot.
1: But imagine... Right now, you and I are talking, we're in front of microphones, you blink, and now you're somewhere else in front of other people. Could you assert any confidence, or would you be like, where the fuck
0: If am this I? has never happened to me before, no. But if, now he knows, he knows the way this works, and if he preps himself for it next time, I just see it being a scene that I feel like we have to get. It would be so interesting to see him take back control of that part. Hmm. And, and play everybody else and, and be able to change things by being Mr. Robot.
1: I don't think we're ready for that. I don't think Elliot's ready for that.
0: Probably not yet.
1: Real quick, before we move on, I forgot to ask you this. So when someone like Tyrell in psychology has this godlike figure and has this idolized being and is disappointed, does that drop the anvil and bring them to an all-time low? Do they lose control or do they gain more control For their self, once they're disappointed in something like that.
0: Well, it can go either way, and obviously Tyrell's way of responding was to try to take back personal power. You can't do this anymore. I have to be the architect now. I'm going to take back
1: control. Well, no, not until he speaks to Irving. He is lost until Irving says, and we haven't gotten there yet, but says, you're now the god. It's you.
0: Oh, well, yeah, he, he goes through a period, but right here in this scene... When he's telling Mr. Robot, you're inferior.
1: But that's emotion. That's he, pure he's, emotion. He's saying,
0: I'm going to do this. And I think he would have. E- yeah. Even if he would have struggled, he would have taken back the situation okay. for himself. He's too adamant, too zealous to let it completely go. He's got nothing left no. to fight for. And he doesn't really know that yet. But when he finds that out, oh boy. Yeah. That's when we're really going to see some psychological breaks potentially in Tyrell.
1: I once thought you to be a god. I loved you. But now I see how foolish I was and how inferior you are. Like a fucking cockroach. Wouldn't it be crazy if Tyrell has multiple personalities? We'd be like, what the
0: fuck? Uh, we're not far from that <laughs> with the stuff he's going through.
1: And his other personality is Mr. Robot. Because that's the god he idolized. Oh, dear. Or maybe his wife.
0: Oh yeah, I could totally see Joanna coming out have a few more scenes in this episode. First is the one at the bar with Dom and Darlene where Dom is demanding updates. You get this feeling this is a common occurrence that Darlene's not really sharing with her. Of course, yeah. But this time she kind of puts her foot down. Darlene says they tried it Dom's way and it didn't work. Elliot almost found them out. Now they're going to do it her way. And she starts putting Dom on the spot. She wants personal information. And a drink. There needs to be a little give and take here. So now Dom's got to offer something up. And during this conversation, Darlene realizes that she's gay and she's been hiding that from the FBI.
1: Yeah, it's deeper than that. Darlene hasn't had a good conversation in a long time. She hasn't conversed with anybody. Even when she's talking to Elliot, it's not a good regular conversation, right? I think she's yearning for just a conversation as well.
0: Well, two things. Yeah, she says she feels really isolated. And I don't think Darlene deals well with that normally. And now with all this added stress, she's just kind of emotionally on her own and blocked off from the rest of the world. But B, the guilt having to deal mm. with being a double agent and every interaction is, can't be genuine. She has to hide things and measure herself and that's taking a toll.
1: And this whole Dom is a lesbian, I mean, Reddit was all about that last season.
0: So, right, there's a lot of information given to us these past two episodes, answers, quote-unquote, that I feel we we already knew or we had already come to. There's no real bombshells there. It's just explaining to us how we got from point A to point B Mm. in a way that does make the characters more interesting and fleshes out the interactions amongst them, the background. And I really like the weird kind of awkward way... Mm. That Darlene and Dom have together. It feels like in another world, maybe they would be friends. So Dom gives a little bit of that, but then goes back to pressing Darlene. You know, something big is coming and they need to get to Tyrell before it's too late. So Darlene says she has a lead, but she's going to follow up on it first on her own. Because when this all goes down, she's not going to have a brother anymore.
1: Yeah, the, the two key statements is we need to get Tyrell before it's too late. I'm going to lose my brother. Mm-hmm. And that brings some insight into where Darlene's mindset and feelings are at. Mm. She cares. Yeah. She really does.
0: And she knows what this is kind of coming to, I think, even, even emotionally. Once Elliot finds out, we're not going to have that relationship anymore. This is not going to be okay, what I did to him. And the next scene was really great, too. You got the Tyrell Irving interaction. Mm.
1: Yeah. Yeah
0: where Tyrell tells him he can't work with Elliot anymore. Everything's ruined. They need more time. This change in the deadline isn't going to
1: work. And Irving, I was just watching him, and I was like, after seeing last episode and how he can manipulate situations, let me watch this man in action, and let's see how he manipulates this situation. And the way he does it to Tyrell, the way he keeps flipping it back over and over and over until Tyrell's initial point is lost was beautiful.
0: Well, and now he pumps him up, too. He gives him everything he knows he wants and needs to hear because Tyrell confesses he's feeling lost with others' partner. They were supposed to be gods together. That's really the bigger issue, not the logistics, the timeline. How do I do it without Elliot?
1: Deflect, deflect, deflect.
0: And so Irving says, If Elliot can't work with you, that only proves one thing. You are the god, not him. You were destined for this. This is the moment you were born for, and you can't turn away now. Oh, boy. <laughs> Shit. He's he's really building him up here. To the point where Tyrell agrees. He only wants one thing. After this is done, him and his family go to the Ukraine and check on Joanna make sure she knows about the plan. Obviously, Irving must know at this point. Absolutely, he knows. He's keeping that from Tyrell. He has to in order to keep this moving forward, but...
1: And we know the FBI kept it from the public,
0: right? Which is why Tyrell doesn't know. But when Tyrell finds out, a that that happened, and b that Irving kept it from him, oh boy, there's going to be really big problems.
1: But this was my first time. It cemented, at least to me, that Tyrell doesn't know. I didn't know if he knew or not.
0: Oh, I knew that he must have not known. Not known. There, okay. There's no way emotionally. Well, three point two. Obviously, he was still checking on the baby on the baby that was cam. Before, yeah. Right. But. This
1: one, he's like, there's no more feed. I can't get to the feed for the baby.
0: Right. He's so emotionally still kind of set on the plan. He said right from the time they brought him to the safe house, I know I have to put Joanna out of my mind right now. I don't even want to contact her. I don't want to involve her. I want to keep her safe Mm. by not talking to her. And I want to focus on my mission in order to get this done. And he's still in that mindset.
1: Yeah. So, when Irving lies about her death, the juxtaposition between last episode, which we only saw a day before, you and I, and this is so different. Because last episode, we had Irving talking about family, and all that matters is that he can come home to his son and be the man he needs to be and his wife. And now he's lying about her death. I thought that was beautifully written.
0: And his message of buildup is so different. It's not be better for your family, Mm -hmm. do good things to make a better world for them. It's you are a god, Tyrell. You don't need anyone. You can do it on your own. Exactly. And the last thing that Tyrell says is in order to execute, they need one more thing, the full force of the Dark Army. Did he just invite that in? The violence, the aggression, everything the Dark Army brings with it. Did he decide they have to go to the next level in order to make this shit happen?
1: In his head, maybe. But I think pff, White Rose is above that anyways.
0: Oh, for sure. Practicality-wise, they <laughs> they were coming in. They are already there. They were going to do that. Yeah. But to me, it represents a real psychological shift in Tyrell.
1: Which might change once he knows about his wife.
0: For sure. I'm sure it will. But right now, he's...
1: I wonder if once he knows about his wife, if he's going to try to confide in... Elliot and not Mr. Robot.
0: Well, that's kind of an open thing I would really like to see. I don't think we've actually gotten Tyrell interacting with Elliot as Elliot. Or or if he did, he didn't know it. So what is that going to be like? I think we have to see that moment. And the episode ends with two things. First, Angela calls Price with this urgent request to fire Elliot and ban him from E-Corp. To which Price really readily agrees. Not that I think he wanted Elliot there in the first place, but it's just another of this bizarre relationship that those two have, and I can't really figure out what's going on.
1: This is that bizarre relationship that we brought up two episodes ago, or one episode as far as podcasts go. What does Angela have over Mr. Price, the way he reacted to White Rose? One of our favorite clatchers for Mr. Robot, Oren, wrote to us and asked us, at CKC Podcast. so what do you think Angela has over Price? Information? Sex? I don't think it's information or sex. I don't, honestly, I don't know, Oren. What a lot of people are thinking is that relation, as far as uh, related to, might be a factor.
0: Yeah, I'm hearing a lot of that. They think she's his daughter. I don't, I don't know if that's what I'm seeing. I mean, I guess when you come up with a theory like this, where there's no way to prove or disprove it, I can't say that you're wrong. I just also don't feel like there's any basis for it yet. Yeah. I'm wondering if this is more about Angela's relationship with White Rose. Does Price somehow know that? And so he does know if there's anyone he needs to be afraid of and be careful around, it's White Rose. Maybe the only person who has this degree of power and influence over him and over the world. So that could be something in there. I'm I'm not sure yet. And the final scene is where Darlene goes to Elliot's apartment, but he's not there, so she leaves the Polaroid. And clearly this picture has a lot of metadata for Darlene. There's so much more to be explored about their childhood, what happened between the two of them and their parents, the day that Elliot was pushed out of the window. (laughs) It's the thing I most look forward to. We've talked a lot about and yet haven't really gotten much new information on.
1: So the metadata behind this photo is more about what Darlene is feeling when she's putting that back. We saw that Darlene was willing to give up her wallet and all her personal belongings belongings in that wallet, but she needed that photo back. We saw how important it was to her where she stole it from Elliot. It's a re- Why is she bringing it back now? What does that mean? Is she giving up?
0: Well, yeah, it's a representation of their relationship, the thing that is most important to her. And I think... She knows. She even told Dom in the bar together, once this all goes down and Elliot realizes what I've done, that relationship will be over. And so she has to say goodbye to it as hard as it's going to be. Mm. In order to save him and stop this from going too far, it's at the expense of their relationship together.
1: So we think that she booked a ticket to Budapest. She was packing up and she walks into Elliot's apartment And there is Flipper all alone. We know Elliot, Mr. Robot, has been gone all night.
0: Yeah, I don't... Here's what I think. I don't think she actually booked the ticket. I think that was a fleeting fancy. She wanted to believe in that for a minute What she was talking to Cisco about. Can't we just be normal people and a normal couple? Forget the hack. Forget everything we did and run away to someplace Mm -hmm. like Budapest. But in reality, when she talked to Dom and said she was going to follow up on this lead... She feels like she has to make things right. And and she's going to figure out how to do that. And I think internally, she thinks there's a strong likelihood she could die. Okay. And this is Darlene's final goodbye.
1: And he wasn't there to say goodbye to.
0: Yeah. And I I don't think she would have, even if he was, because she doesn't want him to know. But yeah, I think we're looking at the end of Darlene very soon.
1: So the last thing we need to talk about is the fact that after Angela got off the phone with Mr. Price, she walks into the other room and there is Mr. Robot. Not Elliot, Mr. Robot. During the day, Mm -hmm. after Elliot's body was drugged with whatever was in that needle, the rules have changed yet again.
0: Yeah, and uh, I don't know if this is because, as she says, psychologically he's fighting Elliot off and he needs to keep doing so, or if this is a result of the medication. I don't know what medicine you could give someone that keeps one personality <laughs> from coming out that know. that really doesn't make any sense but there is obviously so much more that we don't know about that and it's the ongoing battle of of these two that makes the show so interesting
1: I can say one thing. I don't like Angela right now. She feels like the evil person in this storyline.
0: But they've often brought us back and forth with Angela. And Esmail has told us himself he looked forward to playing with more of that this season. I think we're going to do a lot more switches back and forth before all is said and done. Coming out of it, we do have our top questions from the episode. What will ultimately happen to Darlene? What is Angela referring to when talking to Irving? What did White Rose show her? What does this mean about what's going on between Elliot and Mr. Robot? Elliot breaking through at first, and now Mr. Robot coming out in the daytime. What is in that medication? Why was stage two pushed up on the timeline? And was Irving telling Angela the truth about evacuating the building beforehand? What's Mm -hmm. going to go down when stage two happens?
1: Now, when she pulled that needle out, we knew from a couple episodes ago when Elliot confided in her. And then Mr. Robot came out and she, remember we were talking about what did she put in that little pouch? Mm We knew it was a needle with something in there. I'm just wondering what knocked him out. So before we move on to Clatcher's comments and Clatcher's ratings, we wanted to give you another way where you can help us out. And you can do this by doing your normal shopping on Amazon. All you have to do now is go to coffeeclatchcrew.com on the homepage and on the support us page, there's a link to amazon.com. And all that does is add a little code That's given to Amazon saying that you're shopping under our banner. And anything you buy doesn't cost you any more. Amazon has to give us a little bit of that money.
0: Right. So it's just one extra click. Instead of entering amazon.com, you would enter coffeeclatchcrew.com and click on the banner. It'll still take you to Amazon. There's nothing different about your shopping, your pay, anything at all. That one extra second it takes to go to our website first helps Amazon, helps us we would really appreciate it if you just keep that in mind if you have to do any shopping in the near future.
1: If you want to make it easy on yourself, you go once to coffeeclatscrew.com, click on Amazon and bookmark that page. Our code is in the URL. You'll see it says amazon.com equals blah, 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 CKC podcast. And that's how they know.
0: Yeah. If you're afraid, you can go do that now. Bookmark it now and then you'll never have to think about it.
1: (laughs) So when you go on to buy your Mr. Robot figurine, We get like two cents from that. Do
0: it. (laughs) Go on now. Christmas shopping is just around the corner. We know you're probably going to be doing a lot of that online.
1: Something else you can buy that's not on Amazon because it's too cool to be on Amazon is our CKC merch. We have Clatch Nation shirts, hats, sweaters. Tote bags. Totes. (laughs) And so many other things. Go to CoffeeClatchCrew.com. Click on gear. You'll see all these awesome designs. Christina's rocking one right now. It's a way to get cool gear from the nation and also help us out.
0: Let's go now to our robot rating for this past episode. Jason, what do you give 3.3?
1: 3.3, I'm giving 8.5 bot rating.
0: Are you cheating again?
1: (laughs) Is that for you as well?
0: (laughs) Yes, it is. For all the reasons we discussed, I think we kind of covered it. It definitely felt more of a return to form than last episode, though taken together, I really do appreciate them more as a whole. I just happen to enjoy the quicker plot progression and some of the interesting character stuff we got in 3.3.
1: Absolutely. I'm really enjoying how they have Elliot versus Mr. Robot, literally working against each other on separate timelines, day and night. I think it was a good change in the dichotomy of Elliot and Mr. Robot from season one and season two. They're well aware of each other now, and now they're working unaware... Of each other. Of course, at the end of this episode and last episode, they're more aware of each other. But that dichotomy is different. It's a good twist. And I was enjoying it.
0: Well, what I think is cool is we started off season one and into season two, the relationship being between Elliot and Mr. Robot. And there was more communication. It was more about the two of them together and into season two, Elliot being disconnected from everyone else. He was in prison, and the world sort of went on without him. We didn't have a lot between him and Angela, him and Darlene. Now, in season three, when he's disconnected from Mr. Robot, we're starting to get back to those relationships with other people. So I'm really enjoying seeing that brother-sister dynamic between him and Darlene. And for that reason, Darlene is my MVH for this episode. In addition to everything we said about feeling like she really cares about Elliot...
1: Well, Darlene is also my MVH for everything that you said. And also the fact that she's the only proactive one rather than reactive one. Everyone in this episode is being reactive. Irving, that's his job to be reactive. And he was cool about it. And he was good with it. Angela, reactive with her mistakes. Always making mistakes. (laughs) She still does not know what she's doing. Even though she's got this persona right now, like she's the shit.
0: In control, she's just she, making no. more
1: and more mistakes.
0: Yep, well, it was her job to keep these two under control, and that was something impossible to do. And she didn't go about it the right way. Whereas the real way to make this happen was how Darlene and Elliot did it they teamed up, they followed Mr. Robot, they actually got some shit done.
1: Mr. Robot himself has been reactive. Tyrell, that whole scene in the basement is them being reactive to what Elliot has been doing. For that factor, and also Carly Chaikin's acting, I love it, and I have a feeling we won't see much more of her, so it's time for her MVH.
0: So we put up a poll for Most Valuable Hacker, which included Darlene, Dom, Angela, and Elliot, and the results are in.
1: 45% for Darlene, and she's the winner. 31% for Angela, 21% for Elliot, and 3% for Dom.
0: Nobody likes Dom. (laughs) Close in other regards, though.
1: Absolutely. With Oren messaging, at Carly Chaikin gave her most emotionally charged performance to date. Amazing. Hashtag Mr. Robot. Hashtag acting. This is so fun. I love that we do this every week. If you guys could retweet our poll to get even more followers voting, I think it'd be really great to see what the entire nation feels.
0: Yes, and we will have those options up for 3.4 after the episode on Wednesday night. Let's get into our last segment, which is Clatcher's comments. We had two Clatchers write in to say they think the real plan behind all of this, what White Rose is up to, what we're going to see eventually is uploading consciousness. So Ross says his theory gets rid of time travel and alternate realities while also staying within the tech realm. I think we're dealing with moving around human minds and consciousness, whether into others' bodies or into computers as waiting stations, like the notion of the singularity. Angela says it can all be reset, but how can her and Elliot's parents come back? Perhaps only their physical bodies died and their consciousness is still around. In this event, Mr. Robot could be Elliot's father's consciousness, nestled into Elliot's mind. Consciousness transference would, one assumes, be both costly and energy demanding. It would also likely require massive reserves of rare elements to fuel the technology, which could explain what White Rose is up to. And initially, Metal Monkey thought that could be true as well, stating that that is a popular theory on Reddit right now. But he has some other ideas I'll get into in a moment.
1: Metal Monkey also wrote, Did you happen to see the torrent Darlene downloaded while she was looking up trips to Budapest? It was the 1996 classic Sinbad movie, Shazam. You know where the one he played a genie? One of my faves. So I was looking into that and I thought this was so interesting because Shazam doesn't exist. It was never made. That was never a movie. It's another Mandela effect that we talked about last season. You know the whole Bernstein and Berenstein bear? We went into this last season, this whole dichotomy of Mandala effects and how the world that we could, oh, I mean, we went so into it, how there could be parallel worlds where one exists and the other doesn't. Right. But
0: in that case, they both existed. It was just a difference in spelling. So that's a little bit of a smaller.
1: Well, this is another thing. Everyone remembers, including myself, Sinbad playing as a genie in Shazam, but it doesn't exist. Sinbad did a quick clip or um, Little Skit as a genie. Even people put on the internet these fake VHS covers of Sinbad in this movie, but it doesn't exist. And even Metal Monkey remembers it. I think that's awesome. There's many reasons why we believe that exists. One is Kazam, which is a movie in the 1990s that featured a popular actor playing a genie. And in 1996, another movie called Kazam came out with Shaquille O'Neal being the actor. And he was dressed as a genie. I think everyone... Oh, okay.
0: So that's clearly what people are people thinking People are getting it, mixed it up. Yeah. But
1: I for sure remembered Kazam growing up and also Shazam with Sinbad being the genie. That's also because when Sinbad did his comedy specials, he wore these umbrella... I don't know what it's really called, but umbrella pants, just like MC, Tammer, MC Hammer. Mm-hmm. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. oh And they look like genie pants. <laughs> so on stage, he always looked kind of like a genie. But I thought that was so cool that even Metal Monkey was twisted on that. And it was another wink-wink from Sam Esmail with his little Mandela effects.
0: For sure. But I want to come back to, we just had this bomb drop about uploading consciousness. And that's something we talked about a lot in our coverage of Westworld. The possibility that this could be something we're looking at in that universe Is this something within the realm
1: of possibility
0: when we talk about too far out sci-fi theories that wouldn't make sense? Is this one along those lines or more possible?
1: Well, I love that sci-fi approach. I wonder how Sam Asmell would put it into the storyline without us being pissed off. And it's
0: still seeming too far out there because that's a hard one to get to, but one that I'm wanting so badly to see in all of our pop TV and we haven't gotten there yet. So maybe it's just my wishful thinking that eventually we'll get to it.
1: Well, going back into the whole, did you talk to White Rose? Do you believe what she said? Could it be that he's building this machine that uploads everyone's consciousness?
0: Yeah. And then I guess in that event, Elliot would have been the tester, And they're trying it out with him. Although, I don't know, that doesn't seem like it's working so well, if that's their test subject. But while it doesn't feel like the story Esmail is telling it is something interesting to think about. Of course, another popular theory is that we could be seeing the end of Darlene soon. And that could happen when the building blows up. And what's that going to mean for the vengeance pact? And along the vengeance lines, Reddit talks about how Elliot started this whole thing as revenge for his father's death. We see that's why Angela was in on it as well. When Darlene dies, could this be the trigger to unfold his revenge on White Rose and the Dark Army? Which Tyrell will join in upon when he finds out what happened to Joanna. And so this could just turn into a big vengeance thing.
1: Yeah, well, maybe that would make Tyrell and Elliot team up. And I mean, Elliot, Elliot. Yes. For vengeance.
0: That could be the link that we're looking at. Maybe that's what gets Angela back on the same page with them as well. Because we've been thinking that's really her main purpose all along.
1: It'd be awesome if in the end, they're the ones that take down White Rose.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm so conflicted. I don't know if I want to root for White Rose or if I want her taken down because I still don't really know what she stands for and what she's after. She seems very scary and very radical, and anybody that has that much power with radical ideas tends to be dangerous. So I'm going to be very conservative (laughs) on my opinions for her until we hear more. So thank you, as always, for your theories and your comments. Please keep them coming for future episodes, and we'll discuss on the podcast.
1: Don't forget to rate and review us. Tell your friends about us. Let's make this army bigger.
0: And we just have one... Quick piece of information about next week's episode, so if you are worried about spoilers, we will see you next time when we review episode 3.4, Runtime Error. For those of you still here, in our preview, we get the quote, all of these unknown variables keep popping up. When you find yourself at the center of one of those storms, you just have to breathe and let go. And it looks like the company, it looks like E Corp being just turned upside down and Angela crying crying or being totally out of sorts in the middle of it all. It's kind of hard to tell what's going on. But we got the word that this is going to be commercial-free. No commercials, and I wasn't sure why, but we got another really cool piece of information from Metal Monkey. You are on point this week. Thank you. That it's going to be a Birdman-style one take following Elliot and Angela throughout the episode as everything turns to
1: absolute shit. And they did a little bit of one take a few episodes ago when they were down in that hacker station.
0: Yes. And that was amazing. The Underground Hacker Club. Yeah. But the entire episode.
1: That's going to be cray cray.
0: I am so excited. This is going to be really cool to see. I think we're definitely going to get something big about stage two. So we can't wait to review it and talk about it.
1: Big shout out to Metal Monkey. Thank you so much for doing some legwork for us. You're part of the Clatcher crew. You're helping us out. We love you for that. And another shout out to Kirk. We love you, man. Thank you for all your support. Till next week, this round's on me. This round is on me. Please hang up and try again.